You're listening to DraftKings Network. How in 2023 are we officiating games the same way we did in 1973? Right? How are we doing that? Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt, trying to give you unique and differentiated insight into the sports business world that you don't get on any other podcast. Please share this with a friend. Give us ratings. Talk about it if you would. Always good to hear from people that are just turned on to this. Make sure you tell your friends. We're produced by Jack Connell, musical producer Sam Brandt. You hear in the background. And this is all me today. I want to get into some rants, and I really want to get into the Shohei Otani contract. It happened on Saturday afternoon, and I'm getting so many questions about it. Again, my expertise is not necessarily Major League Baseball, but when I see a contract like this, we dive in, we talk about it, just take a deep dive right now. Then we'll get into some other things, the NBA in-season tournament. I got to talk about Live Golf and John Rahm and what's next for the PGA Tour some big topics today. This is a special edition of the Business of Sports podcast coming to you on Wednesday. I'm sorry, Tuesday, December 12th. Hope you enjoy this. Okay, let's get right to it. Shohei Otani, Saturday afternoon. We are all in high anticipation. Free agency, of course, in baseball starts. Nothing really happens. Like in the NFL and the NBA, free agency is over before it starts. By the time you get to the actual date of free agency, Everybody's made deals. Not so much in baseball. It doesn't happen that way. But Otani was the big prize, maybe the biggest prize ever in Major League Baseball free agency. Of course, as we know, six years with the uh, Anaheim Angels had the injury this year. Not going to be a two-way player in 2024, although it seems like he's going to be in 2025. MVP, best player, best free agent ever predictions that would be in the 400, 500, 600, maybe even over $600 million. And then the news comes out Saturday. All the the, the ridiculous speculation from other teams in Toronto and somebody made a reservation at a restaurant in Toronto. Somebody was on a plane to Toronto. It turned out to be the Shark Tank guy. Anyway, he's not going to Toronto. He signs with the Dodgers, as was the favorite going in and as was the result. And it's a 10-year deal. And then I think it was Jeff Passan at ESPN, maybe among others, tweeted out the number. And then there's that watershed moment, kind of where were you when you heard this $700 million. Okay, way beyond anyone's projections, $700 million, 10 years, $70 million a year. And this rattles around the universe, the ecosystem in sports at a time where nothing was going on but the Army-Navy game. It still lasts through the NFL Sunday. It's still buzzing around 700 million, 10 years, 70 million a year, zooming past any anything close to the 43 million top average so far with Scherzer and Verlander and zooming way past the overall contract of 420 something million by his former teammate at Anaheim, Mike Trout. 
That is Saturday and Sunday. Then comes Monday. <laughs> We've got a report now confirmed by so many, everyone in baseball, that there are deferrals. Now, we heard about deferrals on Saturday and Sunday. Okay, deferrals. So I'm thinking 70 million a year, maybe he's making 40, 50, even 55 a year, and maybe 10 to 15 a year deferred. Well, we talked about deferrals. Oh my God, what do we learn? We learned that it is 2 million a year for the next 10 years, 68 million a year per year deferred. So how's that 70 million playing out? Well, 2 million a year, and 68 million in 10 years. So his 2024 compensation is 2 million. His 2034 compensation is 68 million and so on and so on for 10 years. And again, let's sum it up here. For the 10 year contract that we were thinking was maybe $700 million or close to it, he's making $20 million. Shohei Otani will make $20 million in the 10 year span from 2024 to 2033, $20 million. In the 10 year span subsequent to that, from 2020, I'm sorry, from 2034 to 2043, he's gonna make $680 million, 68 million a year. Let's repeat that for people who wanna take notes. For the next 10 years, from 2024 to 2033, Shohei Otani will make from the Dodgers $20 million, $2 million per annum for 10 years. From, 2020, uh, from 2034 to 2043, he will make $680 million, $68 million a year. Major League Baseball is valuing this contract at $46 million a year for the next 10 years. In other words, present value of this $700 million contract is $460 million. Now, still the best contract in baseball history, Trout's 420, whatever it is, and Trout, I believe, has a 12-year deal. This is a 10-year deal. It's way past Bryce Harper at 330 and Trey Turner at 300, whatever he did, and Kershaw 300-something. I mean, it's way past all that, but it's not even close to a $700 million deal. So the questions abound coming into me in all sides, from social, from emails, from people on the street even, people I saw at the gym today. What, why would Otani do this? Okay, let's answer first. Why would the Dodgers do this? Dodgers, of course, sure. It helps the Dodgers with their competitive luxury tax. They're only paying them $2 million a year, but the but forget two million or forget 68 million or forget 70 million. It's 46. So as the Dodgers prepare their roster and as they prepare for the luxury tax complications and the threshold, the valuation of Otani for the next 10 years is 46 million a year. Okay, so that's where they are. So it's a 46 million a year contract for luxury tax calculation purposes. That's great for the, for the Dodgers. I mean, maybe that's what they budgeted. Yeah, we'll get Otani, you know, we'll pay him 460 and pay him 46 a year because it's still the best contract in baseball history. They didn't budget a $70 million number. So that's the Dodgers. And teams want deferrals. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Why would Otani and CAA, his agents, do this? Well, a few things come to mind. One is just what we talked about to help the Dodgers. We talk about this in the NFL with the cap all the time. 
help them be competitive, be contending, do what they need to do, get other players, fit in the big contracts of Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and others, and always be a title contender. Okay, we get that. Why else? Well, he can live on two million a year plus endorsement money, which has been pegged anywhere from 30 to 60 million a year. Okay. For a guy that doesn't seem to like doing endorsements, that's a lot of money. Whether it's from New Balance or whatever he's going to get, there's going to be a bump for him in endorsement money now playing in LA versus Anaheim. And he can live on that and then sets himself up with one of the biggest retirement packages in the history of the world, a $680 million retirement package paid out over 10 years, starting in 2034. Okay, then there's the tax thing. And now this is the one that's getting a lot of questions. And right at the, at the bat, I am not a tax attorney. I've talked to a couple of tax attorneys and I have differing opinions from very well-respected well tax attorneys. The feeling, I guess, from the Otani camp is that by the time the 68 million a year starts coming in, he will not be living in high tax California and maybe living in low tax Texas, Florida, or, or a whole different thing with Japan. Now, that may not be true. He may still be playing a couple of years after that, but certainly as you get towards 2038 and 2040 and 2043, obviously he's not going to be playing baseball then. So the question is, is it quote unquote earned in California? I think it is. Yeah, of course. It's a 10-year contract that's basically earned every year 70 million, 68 of it's deferred. So for tax attorneys in California, of course, it's earned in California, we should get it. There's also the feeling that if it's 10 years past earning, then it will not be taxed in the state it was earned. That's something that a couple of tax attorneys have said to me, I've seen it tweeted out there. So that's differing opinions. What I can tell you is this, CAA is not gonna make this deal without vetting this with all the tax attorneys they know, including those on staff, and making sure that when he starts receiving the bulk of this contract, he will not be living in a high-tech state, which will save him 40, 50, 60, 80, $90 million in taxes by being in another state when this comes through. Listen, I dealt with this at the Packers when players got a big bonus, they wanted to sign the contract in Florida or Texas. So the feeling was they would not, they would be taxed in those states. And my answer to the agent was always simple. No, he can sign it wherever he wants. But the state is Wisconsin, right? We are signing this a document in Wisconsin and he's going to earn these wages in Wisconsin. And as for deferrals, I tried with agents to get deferrals and I did with the big bonuses. You know, people hear about a $10 million bonus. Well, usually it's not paid 10 million up front. It is paid. I, what I would try to do is push it out as long as I could. You usually one or two years is all you're going to get. Say you pay five right away. You, you pay a couple million later in the year. You pay a couple million the next year. You pay the balance the year following. That's as long as deferral you're going to get. Sometimes you get these weird situations. When I got to the Packers, we had a punter, a punter long gone from the Packers that played for many other teams after us, Sean Landetta. And I'm seeing these, I don't, it was only a couple hundred thousand dollar payments every year to Sean Landetta. Well, 
Sean Landetta hadn't played there in 10 years, but that's the way he structured his contract. Yeah, teams will do that for you. You know, Bobby Bonilla, everyone says, oh, my God, it's so great. He's a Hall of Famer in the business. No, I'm not putting him in the business of sports Hall of Fame because Bobby Bonilla did what the Mets wanted him to do. Take the money way later than rather than taking it now. Every agent's going to tell you I'd rather have money now than money later. And their fee is tied to that. So Bobby Bonilla. Now, people say that he got interest, which makes it great. I, I guess getting interest and no, no, Otani doesn't have interest on these payments. But is Bobby Bonilla such a great deal? I don't know. I don't think so. The media narrative, the, the, the popular narrative is he's so great. July 1, Bobby Bonilla Day. Well, first of all, this Otani deal puts that at the children's table. The other thing is, is this good for Otani? I, I guess. I mean, basically, they could have done a $460 million deal. And we would have said, oh, wow, that's great. You know, it's not what we're thinking. Maybe he'd get five or six hundred million. But hey, OK, great. But he did a seven hundred million dollar. got the splash, which is maybe what CAA really wanted. I don't think he really wanted that. And then, of course. We'll deal with the taxes later, but I would bet CAA has some very high priced tax attorneys saying you got it, you know. You're going to be in Florida. You're going to be in Japan. You're going to be wherever. You're not paying California taxes in 2034 and 2035, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 2041, 42, 43. You're not. And as for Otani being traded later in this deal, no, 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 no. The, the Dodgers are not going to get out of those obligations. If he's traded in year five, it's not like the new team inherits years one, two, three, four, it's $68 million. No, no, that's going to be property of the Dodgers. He earned that money in year one. Again, he's earning 70 million a year. Let's be clear. He's getting paid 2 million now and 68 in 10 years. Okay, so everyone needs to understand that. All right. Last thing on Otani is, listen, Baseball allows this. And we can argue whether the union, whether baseball, listen, they allow it. There's express language, no limit on deferrals because baseball is management. Management would rather pay later than pay now. Where this needs to be dealt with, if it's dealt with, is on the union side to go to CAA and Otani and say, why are you doing this? And would the union be happier if it was a $460 million deal? That's a question to ask. Okay. And again, there's all the cap stuff in baseball. Baseball's never going to want, um, union's never going to want a cap. I think a cap would be helpful. Obviously, get the teams that are coasting, like the A's and Pittsburgh and whoever doesn't pay to have a floor. But the union is much more worried about putting a ceiling, even though we have a tax. They don't want a ceiling teams like the Dodgers, Yankees, Cubs, Mets etc. So that's where we are. Okay. If you have any other questions on Otani, just let me know on social at Andrew at Andrew.Brandt.com, wherever you want to ask me the questions. Okay. Let's talk about a couple other things. NBA in-season tournament, phenomenal success. People complain. It's different. We don't understand it. It's got the gaudy court. So what? I mean, it did the best non- uh, Christmas regular season game ever in terms of ratings. 
the final did. It's, it's something new, something different. And more importantly, who's talking about the NBA before Christmas? This time they are. Good idea. There'll be tweaks to it, of course. Maybe the courts won't be as gaudy. Maybe they'll have uh, different ways of dealing with who gets the different group play, different ideas. But, hey, I think it's great. Like I said, the only thing I would tweak is it's great the players get $500,000, and especially the two-way guys, real money, and then 200 something for the, the second place. That's great. But what about some other aspect that really sort of the fans could latch on to? Maybe it's um, giving the winner – of a draft pick after the first round, giving the second place a draft pick after the second round. That's incentive, and that's team incentive and fan incentive rather than just player incentive. I kind of like that. Maybe they could do something else. Maybe there could be some kind of uh, extra home court game in the playoffs in the first round for the winners, something like that. Uh, I just think that's something we have to think about. Okay. NFL officiating, we're talking about that again. The blown calls um, last week with the Packers Chiefs, the blown calls this week, again involving the Chiefs, but it was not a blown call, right? The, the Tony play at the end of the game was not a blown call. It's the right call. And I know Chiefs fans will get upset at this. It's kind of like, are we going to have a code or are we going to have a rule? You know, the code like on, on Hail Marys is you can pull them down, they're not going to call it. Well, is there a code that you can line up offsides? They're not going to call it. No, there's not that code. <laughs> and the blatant, you know, the blatantness of it, I just don't get the whining from Andy Reid, who's completely uh, mellow about everything, to get upset about that. And of course, Patrick Mahomes, who a friend of mine told me, you know, I lost respect for him. You know, I always thought he was so great and so sportsman, but his sportsmanship is like, yeah, I don't know. And going up to Josh Allen, that's all he's whining about at the end of the game. So Mahomes, yeah, he'll overcome that, and the, and the Chiefs will be fine, I think. But, you know, the Chiefs didn't address the wide receiver position, and they're, they're hurting for it. Um, thing I'll say about officiating is what I say every time I deal with this. It's like, why? Why are we still not dealing with technology? Oh, my God, why are we doing this? How? And I said this last week. I'll say, I keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. How in 2023 are we officiating games the same way we did in 1973, right? How are we doing that? 50 years. 50 years ago, they're holding sticks with a chain to measure first downs. We're still doing that, right? Now, again, you have announcements and you have microphones on the officials and you have these lines by TV and, and cameras, but I say it all the time, tennis, there's no linesman. There's no human error because there's no humans. Now, I know a football field is not a tennis court, but come on. Come on. Like Kadaris Tony, if he's standing on the line of scrimmage, would there be a buzz? And maybe that buzz is a warning or maybe that buzz is a penalty right away. I mean, movement, all these little things. Like the, the clock when it goes out for delay a game, half the time they call it, half the time they don't. How about technology there? That's easy. A buzz in the in their officials as soon as the buzz, it's over. It's done. So I don't, I just don't get the technology part of it. Again, why are we officiating games in 2023 like we did in 1973? The whole world's evolved. We're a $20 billion business. Why? Do we have chips and balls? I, 
Why not? Every ball. It just doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Last thing I want to talk about is a big thing in the business of sports. Maybe the biggest story in the business of sports this year. On June 6th, the announced merger or to-be merger between Live Tour and PGA Tour and Golf. Up until that time, there had been poaching. There had been competing tours. There had been enmity between the two sides. We had seen Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Bubba Watson join Phil Mickelson on the tour uh, and Cam Johnson on the Live Tour. All these players going to the Live Tour for massive amounts of money. And then the PGO Tour had its stalwarts, which included Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy, and John Rahm. Well, no longer. John Rahm defected. He is now with Live and anywhere from $300, $600 million, whatever he's making. He's a live guy. John Rahm is now a live golfer. And why? Because I don't know. He decides to do this. There's no downside for him. If there's no merger, he makes his several hundred million dollars. He's on his way. He's playing with Mickelson and Watson and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Bryce DeChambeau. And if there's some kind of merger, great. You know, and if there's not, there's not. Now, what the heck is going on? What I'm gathering is that this deal was really not a deal. It was an agreement to agree back in June, and they had until December 31st, which is in 19 days, to get a deal done. It's not going to get done. So what I've heard is that the people who negotiated the deal, most most, uh, notably Jimmy Dunn on the PGA Tour side, he's out of it. And now the PGA Tour side is really players and their attorneys And I don't know if they're picking up where he left off or they're just not dealing with it or they're looking to domestic investors. And we hear about that. And if it's private equity, private equity is going to cut costs. They're going to cut the tours under the PGA Tour, not the whole tour, maybe, but certainly make them more bare bones than they are already. And meanwhile, Live Tour announced their schedule for 2024. They'll be at the place that I'm at in the summer again, the Greenbrier Resort in August. So listen, it's fine. It's two different tours. Nothing really changed unless there's something we don't know. But if I'm a sponsor, if I'm an equipment provider, if I'm a network, right? If I'm a partner in golf, I'm saying, well, wait a minute. Why am I paying high prices for the PGA Tour? When over on this other tour, (laughs) right, you've got these guys. You've got Kepka and Watson and now John Rahm and Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and DeChambeau. What am I getting on the other tour? Yeah, I'm getting Justin Thomas. I'm getting maybe Tiger, Rory, but it's getting to be pretty equal, if not better on the other side. So, yes. Is it blood money? Sure. I mean, is it, you know, sports washing? But Listen, the PGA Tour playing the high road, they lost their moral high ground when they agreed to this merger. Now, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But they're not going to go back and say, you know, this is low morals playing for that tour because they, they, they agreed to take the money. And maybe now it's not being worked out. And I'm sure the live people are thinking, what the hell? You know, are they going to do this deal? If they're not going to do this deal, I'll go, we'll go poach. Remember, the lawsuits were called off. The poaching was called off, and then nothing happened. So we're back to poaching. They got Rom. Who's the next target, right? Listen, who do they have? Like I keep saying, they got Mickelson. Maybe not the greatest golfer anymore, but wow, what a draw. 
They got Dustin Johnson. They got Cameron Smith. They got Brooks Kepka. They got Bryson DeChambeau. And now they got Rom. I mean, this is a quite a list. And yes, they're going for the money. Okay, that happens. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but PGA Tour has got to be some bleeding some money here. They've raised all these purses in response to Liv, as Phil Mickelson says, the best thing ever for Liv, for PGA Tour when Liv got in because they raised the purses for the PGA Tour. But they're going to run out of money, especially if some of these partners start saying, what am I doing here? Paying top dollar for this and all the best golfers over there. <laughs> so I feel for Jay Monahan. I've talked to you before. I've known him a long time, but he's got some headwinds here. In other words, make the deal. Why hasn't the deal been made? Bring in the highest price lawyers, whatever, do it. Because I said this two years ago and I don't mean to be this, Brigacious, but I said better to work with them, meaning live, than against them. I thought that was happening. Doesn't seem to be happening. Okay, finally, back to the NFL. I'm in Dallas. My son is graduating from SMU. Guess what? In about <laughs> half a mile from here, the NFL owners are meeting. They're going over whatever international, they're going to talk about the tush push, whatever they may talk about. But this is usually the meeting where you get into 2024 cap and there's rumors the cap's going to go from 225 to about 240 but they're not going to put a hard number on it yet but that's what we did every year we came in here and got the crop report how we're doing how's the money going what we're negotiating with the nflpa and where the cap's going to be so we can start planning as team managers over the next couple months yeah but people don't understand if the cap goes say from 215 225 to 240 15 million it's about a 6.7 percent increase people think that's a lot it's not a lot at all almost every veteran contract has increases of over a million a year right so that so anywhere from eight to 12 veteran contracts will soak up sponge up all that increase right away okay so when you hear about 10 to 15 even 20 million dollar increases in the cap Think about your team. You're going to have 15 to 20 veterans making good money, and they're all going to go up at least a million a year. Some go up two million a year, four million a year, five million a year even. So think about that. Just another thing about cap. I'm going to talk a lot about cap as we get into the offseason. Every year I try to debunk for you all these myths out there about the cap. It's still the most misunderstood, misinformed area of sports, and even more so than other caps. The NFL cap is. Anyway, listen, Shohei Otani. <laughs> it's the most unique contract I've ever seen. I haven't seen anything like it. I don't know if I'll ever see anything like it again. But never believe the numbers you hear. I tell you about this in the NFL all the time. The numbers are, are put out there with an agenda to the media, and the 700 million splashed around until someone got the details. Of course, the details were going to get out, but Meanwhile, we have this $700 million number that for people who don't pay attention beyond that, that's what they're thinking. It happens. It's the game that media and agents play. All right. That'll do it. All more of this in the newsletter. Andrew-Brandt.com is how you sign up. More of this in the Sports Business League. SportsBusinessLeague.com. More of this on Reels on Instagram. 
Andrew Brandt too. And of course, uh, Twitter and my column and the podcast. I hope you enjoy this. Hope you share it with friends and sort of give me a rating so I can maybe move up the charts a little bit on the sports podcast. Have a great week. Thanks to Jock Connell, the producer, my son, Sam Brandt, the musical producer. Thanks to you for listening. Always appreciate this joining me. We'll see you next week on the business of sports with Andrew Brandt.